Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry, and for the next four months, I'm bound to drive my co-host crazy with excitement over the Matrix Resurrections, which dropped its first trailer this week. I'm Jeff Braun. I'm looking forward to it, Brett. We're also going to review a pair of superhero movies today, the latest Marvel movie, of course, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and take another look at Zack Snyder's Justice League, which comes to Blu-ray this week. And as we mark the 20th anniversary of 9-11 this week, Apple TV Plus has launched a film version of the amazing Canadian musical based on how Gander Newfoundland helped thousands of stranded passengers. It's called Come From Away, and I can't wait to see it. But we must begin with the fact that even though this show airs on radio on the weekend... We recorded on Thursdays, so I'm still bouncing off of the walls because it was not four hours ago, just over four hours ago, that Warner Brothers debuted the first trailer for The Matrix Resurrections. Am I crazy? We don't use that word in here. The song is White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane. Fitting. Have we met? Neo, clearly a man of many words once more. <laughs> Instead of saying, whoa, he's saying hi. So I guess Neo and Trinity meet again. Time to fly. If you want the truth, Neo, you're going to have to fly me. that matters to you is still here. I know it's why you're still fighting and why you will never give up. You don't know me. No? Okay, so you know what? I guess I should sort of back the truck up a little bit here because I'm so excited that I think it's not like everybody's watched The Matrix. You might have no idea what The Matrix is. So just a very quick history lesson. 1999, the first Matrix movie comes out starring Keanu Reeves. He plays a guy who realizes he's trapped. He, along with the rest of the human race, are trapped inside a computer simulation because the machines have taken over the world and they use human beings as their power source. So every human being that's alive is in like a power cell, but their brain is tapped into a computer simulation. And there's a handful of scrappy rebels who are trying to free everyone from the Matrix and end the war with the machines. There were two sequels in 2003, The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix Revolutions. I like the sequels, but lots of people hate them. The The action in these movies is incredible. Tons of great fighting, lots of uh, kung fu, lots of neat gunplay and stuff. It's just, it's like nothing I've ever seen. The Matrix is my favorite film ever. I didn't think we'd ever go back to the well on this because at the end of The Matrix Revolutions, both Neo and Trinity die, the two main characters. So how they've come up with a way to get them back into The Matrix, I have no idea how this is going to work, and I can't wait for it. Neo is the one 
He's uh, a systemic anomaly. He can basically, once he's awakened and once he realizes he's the one, he can do whatever he wants. He can fly. He can stop bullets. He's super strong. He, he's the most powerful being in the Matrix. He's, he was the only hope that the humans had to defeat the machines. And now he looks even more powerful. We see him divert a missile from a helicopter and he does this like Hadouken style thing, sort of like Street Fighter 2. I don't know what's going on here, but... It looks so good. After all these years, to be going back to where it all started. Back to the Matrix. Yeah, the Matrix! I love the Matrix! So, uh, I'm excited. Jeff, how about you? Yes, uh, I'm, I'm not quite as excited, Brett. I could just see it now, though. In a few years, every everyone on the planet will be, remember 2021 and how horrible it was thanks to the Delta variant and everything else, and then Brett will be there. I don't know. We've got a new Matrix movie. That's pretty good. <laughs> Second best year ever after 1999. <laughs> yeah, and the, the way that they launched this, too, the, the hype machine began a couple of days ago when they, uh, they launched a website called whatisthematrix.com, or I guess I should say relaunched the website because that yeah. was the site back in 99. And what a, ne- what a neat concept. So when you went to the site, you, you know, all it had was the image of a red pill or a blue pill, and that's part of the Matrix storyline. You click on the red pill, you get one version of the teaser. You click on the blue pill, you get another version. But it turns out it was like this ever-changing interactive teaser where it would splice in different videos and there were 180,000 combinations. I don't know how it worked. And what whatever time it was where you're watching it in your time zone, the guy, like the actor, which was either, um, uh, what is it, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II uh, or Neil Patrick Harris, he would say, like, right now, at, as we record this, it's 12.14 p.m. So if I were to pull it up, it would say, you think it's 12.14 p.m., um, which I just thought was so cool. Side note, that would have taken them a long time to record that, uh, to record every minute on the clock. like ten uh, mi- Unless they do just the 60 minutes and then the 12 hours and then just edit them all together. Yeah, I guess so. Some, some crafty uh, editing. Uh, but anyway, it was cool, and it's, it opens December 22nd. So for the next four months, Jeff, I sort of apologize. No, I'm excited for you. This reminds me of, I don't know, seven or eight years ago when the TV series of Fargo began. And I was so excited because Fargo the movie is my favorite movie. And here this was this new TV show uh, set in the same world. That blew my mind. And I was very excited about that. So for you to get another crack at your favorite movie, uh, I'm very happy for you, Brett. This is, uh, I know you're in paradise right now. All right. But there's something else happening this weekend that's actually based on probably... The Matrix is my favorite movie, but this musical that this next film is based on, I think is probably the best thing I have ever seen. It's called Come From Away, and it's debuting on Apple TV+. On the northeast tip of North America is a town called Gander. September 11th, 2001. Over 200 planes getting diverted. Even with all the hotels in town, we've got no room. With thousands of passengers arriving at any minute, the town is asking for help with, well, anything you can do. We barely know where we are. Just 
freaking out. I wish I was home. Thank you for shopping at Walmart. Would you like to come back to my house for a shower? So Come From Away is a musical that was created based on what happened in Gander following the attacks of September 11th. Uh, it was created by a couple of Canadians, Irene Sankoff and David Hine. And they tell the story about how 7,000 stranded travelers were diverted to Gander when they closed the airspace. And this is a town of 9,000 people. And they brought in all of these stranded travelers and housed them and fed them. And it was, uh, it's a beautiful story, like real life story. It's an incredible story. And this production is so amazing and creative. I had the pleasure of seeing it live two years ago, and I pretty much cried the entire time because it was beautiful and it was inspiring and it was tragic and sad and hopeful. And I was just stunned that the people in front of me were capable of such raw talent. I just, uh, I was overwhelmed and uh, I can't recommend it enough because, and let me just read a, a couple of snippets at hundred percent, by the way, on Rotten Tomatoes. Here's one that says, it's the kind of piece that makes one wish a triumph of the human spirit weren't such an irredeemable cliche. Uh, another person says, come from away, maybe the best filmed version of a musical I have seen. Uh, but I think this one, um, with a cast of 12 valiantly filling two or three roles each, come from away was conceived with more modest ambitions, but it too extracts success from the fact its upbeat message springs from such an unlikely source. So in the dark, one of the darkest moments of human history comes this moment to be celebrated. And now, because of this musical, this story of Gander Newfoundland is told around the world. This is, they, there's a, a, a team in London that does this show. There's a team in Australia that does this show. So I just am so uh, happy for the team that created this and I'm, you know, it makes me proud as a Canadian. Uh, I could go on, Jeff. I know I'm rambling now. I'm just so excited to watch this and tell you about it next week. I know you enjoyed Hamilton, the Disney version of the, the film version of their musical, and really dug that. I haven't watched that yet, but uh, it's on my radar. Is this going to be on your radar? Uh, probably not. I, I've my I've got actually a semi-annual 9-11 viewing tradition. I've got this documentary called, it's just called 9-11. These two French brothers just happened to be doing a documentary in downtown New York with uh, the fire department that's closest to the World Trade Center. And they were just literally, you know, shooting stuff with these guys when it happened. And then they got just amazing footage from Ground Zero. And I usually watch that. And honestly, after I watch that, I'm can't really bear to watch anything else about 9-11. That's true. It, it is tough. I often watch uh, the movie United 93, and that's uh, that's an emotional wallop. And there's also a new, looks like a new documentary series on Disney Plus about 9-11. It's a National Geographic documentary. So there is a lot of content out there. But if you're looking for something uplifting uh, that uh, celebrates the best of what human beings are capable of, even in the face of true horror, then try out uh, Come From Away. It's on uh, Apple TV Plus, which means I got to get Apple TV Plus, another streaming service. Oh, my goodness. All right. In a moment, we got to start reviewing 
Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. I know I just said we're going to review Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings here, but you know what? I rambled so much in that first segment about the Matrix and Come From Away uh, that we took up too much time. But thankfully, Jeff is briefer than I am, and he's put together a nice little package on fall TV premieres. Yeah, there's a few shows starting this week, starting on Sunday, September 12th, with a show called American Rust. If I'm ticked off or kind of jumpy lately, what do you make of that? Well, I think that means you're ticked off or kind of jumpy. We're in this together. evidence this was a drug-related crime. Whatever there is to find in there, the sheriff's gonna find it. There's nothing. There's always something. It's uh, American Russ is on Crave in Canada. It's a Showtime show in the States. It's about a police chief in a southwest Pennsylvania town forced to decide what he's willing to do to protect the son of the woman he loves after that boy is accused of murder. It stars Jeff Daniels and Maura Tierney. Also on, or not also, but over on Showcase, there's a show called Dr. Death. That's based on a true story, a crime series recounting the story of Dr. Christopher Dunch, played here by Joshua Jackson, a neurosurgeon in Dallas whose successful practice is marred by a series of patients who enter his operating room for complex but routine spinal surgeries and then are left permanently maimed or even dead. It was also a very popular podcast, I believe. There's a show called Scenes from a Marriage on Crave. It's literally what it sounds like and stars Jessica Chastain and Oscar Isaac. And on CTV, there's a show called Alter Ego in which singers perform for a panel of judges, which include Will I Am, Nick Lachey, Alanis Morissette, and someone called Grimes. I had a, I didn't look that up. I, I, I guess there's somebody who just goes by the name Grimes, kind of a terrible name. And the <laughs> twist to this show is the singers are only seen as computer-generated virtual avatars performing for the judges via motion capture technology, which begs the question, why? I mean, just sing the damn song. What? This is so silly, but whatever. It's called <laughs> Alter Ego. It's over on CTV. And then on CBS, it's a season 54 of 60 Minutes starting up. So that's your Sundays going forward starting this Sunday. On Monday, September 13th, there's a new show on the FX network called Why, the letter Y, The Last Man. It happened pretty fast. The world has changed. Nobody can know about him. We both know I'm not cut out for this. There are so many women out there who think that they have lost something. Not us. They're going to kill you. So the new world can be born. Based on DC Comics' acclaimed series by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerrera, Why the Last Man traverses a post-apocalyptic world in which a cataclysmic event has decimated every mammal with a Y chromosome except for one man and, wait for it, his pet monkey. Lol. They're the only men left on the planet. Yeah, why? Like, 
<laughs> What's worse, making the singers uh, do motion capture or uh, putting a pet monkey in your show? I don't know. It stars Diane Lane, though, so that's immediately has piqued my curiosity. And the main, the guy, the main guy, the only guy is a guy named Ben Schnetzer. Also on Monday, Monday Night Football's back on ESPN and ABC. And on Crave, there's season two of a show called Back to Life. Let's go to Thursday now. And this show does not debut this Thursday in Canada, but it does in the U.S., so if you see promos for it and you don't know why it's not here in Canada, it will come here on October 11th on Showcase. It's called Dan Brown's The Lost Symbol, and it's the early adventures of uh, Harvard symbologist Robert Langdon, played by, you know, uh, Tom Hanks in the movies of The Da Vinci Code, etc. Here it's played by Ashley Zuckerman, who is on Succession. There's a show called The Premise, and I don't know what channel it's on. And hey, if you're going to name your show something as stupid as The Premise, you're going to have to accept the fact that no one can Google it. I thought it would have been on Disney Plus in Canada because in the U.S. it's an FX on Hulu release, which usually means D Plus here, but it's not on the schedule Disney released a couple of weeks ago, so who knows? It's also not on the FX channel here. I looked that up, so there may be a show called The Premise coming somewhere near you. It's described on IMDb as an anthological series that uses the boldest issues of our time as a jumping off point to tell singular character-driven stories about the world we live in today. So not only is it a terrible premise for a title it's a terrible uh premise for a premise because that doesn't that's just word salad that doesn't mean anything <laughs> and then on friday september 17th hold that on thought global hold that thought because we got to break we, time we, we got to pause so we'll finish the tv preview in a moment and then we'll tell you about shang chi you're listening to the couch potatoes Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett, and we're continuing and wrapping up our look at what's new premiering this week on television. We're all the way up to the Friday, September 17th, the show on Global called Family Law. You heard about that guy last year? Yeah, the moron sued and got like millions. I was that moron's lawyer. How you like me now? You look terrible. Thank you, Mother. Are you drinking again? Go to hell. I'd really like to come home. I need to know that you're serious about getting well. My father is a lousy parent, an emotionally stunted and unavailable human being. Objection! Matt, that was stupid. But it was also awesome. Why do you think she'd be such a colossal bitch? She's a ticking time bomb, and if she goes off around us, it will be collateral damage. See you at the courthouse. Don't be late. With the exception of your blatant disregard for my authority, good work. Family Law stars Jewel State as an attorney and a recovering alcoholic who reluctantly works with her estranged father, played by Victor Garber, and her two half-siblings at his family law firm, where she finds herself forced to deal with not just her client's family dysfunction, but also her own. So any, uh, anytime you put Victor Garber in your TV show or movie, that is most definitely a plus. He was awesome on Alias 20 years ago, and uh, glad to see he is still working. Also premiering on Friday the 17th, The Morning Show Season 2 over on Apple Plus, starring Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell, and on Netflix, Season 3 of Sex Education. Did you watch that one, Brett? I know you watch one show with sex in the title. Yep, Sex Education. Yeah, both, I've watched both of the first seasons, so I can't wait to see the season three because it's a it's a really wonderful uh, high school show, and it's uh, because it's well, it's set in. I actually don't know where it's set. It's shot in Wales, and it's got an entirely British cast, but it's very Americanized. So it's like it, it, it. They've made it to appeal to audiences on both sides of the planet, and uh, but mm. it's just it's down to earth. It's relatable. It's hilarious. It's well acted, well written. I love it. 
Right on. Those are all the uh, big premieres coming out to TV in the next week. And I will also note that on Thursday, September 16th, it is the Brooklyn Nine-Nine series finale. So you'll want to get caught up on that if you aren't already. And uh, it'll be sad to see that show go, but it's been a great run for the Brooklyn Nine-Nine. All right. In the meantime, the Couch Potatoes will now tell you about this. The legacy of all who came before you. It is all a part of who you are. I'm going to change the course of history. Marvel's new Avenger. Arrive. I'm ready. My name is Shang-Chi. Marvel Shang-Chi. Ready PG-13. Hell yeah. It is the latest movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I know that those three words probably strike fear into the hearts of many. Oh my gosh, another Marvel movie. But we love it, and it is a glorious film. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings has a 92% score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 98% audience score on that website. $75 million opening weekend domestically. As of Thursday, it had made $157 million worldwide. So the movie stars Chinese-Canadian actor Simu Liu as Shang-Chi, who must confront the past that he thought he had left behind when he is drawn into the web of the mysterious Ten Rings organization. film also stars Aquafina as Shang-Chi's lifelong friend, Michelle Yao, Tony Lung as his father, and Florian Montianu. He was Ivan Drago's son in Creed II. He is a big, mean, scary dude. In the original comics, Shang-Chi was the son of a character named Fu Manchu, a bad character, bad guy character created in 1913. Fu Manchu popularized anti-Asian stereotypes. His character has not been in Marvel Comics for a long time and was not in this film. Now, this film, interestingly enough, has not yet opened in China. That country's censors have not yet approved it, and it's possible that Chinese audiences... We'll never see this on a big screen because when the movie was announced a couple of years ago, it kicked up a stir in China because of the character's racist history. The filmmakers did work hard, though, to make sure the movie was respectful to Chinese culture, uh, while other critics in China are saying that Marvel only made this movie to try to cash in. You know, we talked about this, I think it was just last week, Jeff, how, how movies have sort of cracked the code on how to make global cash by having a more diverse cast, but... Yeah, studios are, yes, they're trying to make money. But if they can do so in a way where they're appealing to a larger audience, I really don't see the big deal with that. So, I don't know. Whatever the reason, I don't care. Because I loved it. I knew going in that the people were saying it had some of the best action in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, some of the best fight scenes, that it was emotional, that it was touching, etc., etc., etc. Still, I was surprised the action is so good from the up-close fight scenes to the big monstrous climax scene at the end, whereas Black Widow, which came out earlier this year, had some intense and brutal fight scenes, which I thought were great. These fight scenes were also intense, but they were just silky, smooth, tremendous martial arts choreography, and there is a breathtaking fight scene that takes place on a series of scaffolds. It is just nuts. Like, I was holding my breath the whole time. And Shang-Chi's story that brings him from running from his past, from doubting himself, to becoming an amazing hero, wielding the Ten Rings, 
and and I, I don't really know. How would you describe the ten rings, Jeff? You put them on your wrists, and you can like <laughs> shoot laser beams out of them and use them as a whip and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, it, it's hard to try to explain them. You sort of got to see it to believe it. Yeah, just a really cool weapon, and he is a powerhouse. He's a real force to be reckoned with, and we barely got a glimpse at what he can do, so I can't wait to see more on him and more on the Ten Rings and their origins. It's also a great, complicated family story because their father uh, leads the Ten Rings, Shang-Chi and his sister, their father leads the Ten Rings, a terrorist organization that we first learned of back in the, that first Iron Man movie, and the Ten Rings were later appropriated in Iron Man 3 by a guy claiming to be with the Ten Rings. Uh, remember Ben Kingsley as the Mandarin? Well, it turned out he was just an actor in that movie who was hired to play the Mandarin and say he's with the Ten Rings. Well, this is the real Ten Rings, and their leader is not to be trifled with because he has the Ten Rings. But then he has Shang-Chi. He had a son. And that's where everything got complicated for him. And uh, it just leads to all kinds of wonderful emotional stuff. I guess my only real gripes are it's awfully slow at times in the middle. And even though the movie is called Shang-Chi, it was almost more about his dad than him. Like, once again, we have another Marvel movie with this complex villain who is not just pure, isn't just pure evil. Certainly not a good guy. But he's capable of good and was even prepared to leave it all behind for his family. It's got gorgeous imagery, amazing action, wonderful emotions, tons of art. Four and a half couch cushions out of five for Shang-Chi. Jeff, what would you think? I liked it as well. I went to a 10 a.m. screening and the theater was full, full at 10 a.m. Wow. I also went to see Free Guy again on a Friday night. That screening also full as well. So, I mean, people want to go to movies. Maybe not everything will immediately be punted to streaming in the future like we may have surmised uh, throughout the pandemic. I, I keep going into these Marvel movies wondering, will this be it? Will the magic have disappeared from the MCU and suddenly the movies will be boring? Nope, not yet. Although I will say the formula has sort of become pretty clear by now to the point that at least twice during the movie I thought, well, we're due for an action scene any moment, and that thought was immediately followed by an action scene. So it does help when I'm trying to, you know, pick my bathroom breaks or whatever, being able to figure out when the next action scene's coming up. But uh, sometimes it's, you know, there's... They're their own genre now, and every genre's got its limitations, and I guess that's how it goes for this. And as much as these movies have become formulaic, I mean, the formula works, and the thing that keeps them fresh is they do find new things to show us in this movie, like you said, as a whole new world of martial arts, different weapons, different creatures, both good and bad, and a very different setting than any of the other MCU movies. It's that thing that James Bond movies do so well. Also, where they show the audience, uh, you know, a part of the world that we've not seen before in these movies. So uh, it's been a good long while since they've had to do a proper origin story in the MCU. I know Black Widow had some of that, but there's a difference between showing the origins of a character that was established more than a decade ago, who we've seen in at least seven movies, and this brand new character we've never seen before. And before this, I think, you know, Captain Marvel was the last origin story before that Black Panther. And of course, with some of the more established characters in the universe, like Spider-Man and the Hulk, they didn't even really bother with origin stories. I liked how they unraveled Shang-Chi's backstory throughout the movie. It's not just, you know, a giant 45-minute long chronological tale of his earlier life to present day. And of course, it helped that his backstory and the real plot of the present day action are all linked together. Otherwise, you sort of get two movies, you know, butted together, the origin 
and then some random present-day mission. This flowed together so much more nicely. I always think of the first Christopher Reese Superman movie uh, for the, just the most irritating origin story because the movie would come on TV at 8 o'clock at night, and I'd have to go to bed at 9, and at 9 o'clock is when he finally turns into Superman to finally get a proper action scene, and Dad's like, go to bed. That just always got on my nerves. Here in Shang-Chi... <laughs> I think my favorite scene is in the first 10 minutes. There's a just a killer action scene on the literally on the streets of San Francisco. That's just amazing. So uh, you didn't have to wait an hour for him to turn into Shang-Chi. He's kind of Shang-Chi. You know, the performances are great. And this uh, Simu Liu, like you were talking about, is a great addition to this MCU gang. I look forward to seeing more of him. I also like that he's in kind of like the fun, goofy gang with... Ant-Man, Star-Lord, Spider-Man, and Thor. I feel like those guys would join a dodgeball league together, unlike the wet drip or sad sack types like Captain America, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, and Hawkeye. Like, you couldn't get those guys to go out and do something really fun, really. They're too self-serious. Even Iron Man, who has a sense of humor, but he's also just, you know, haunted by all the death that he's brought to the world. Uh, I really like Aquafina. She's become one of these actors that, I'm always happy when she shows up in a movie. She's great comic relief here, and I thought her character arc was pretty good as well. And, you know, she's the audience surrogate who keeps things grounded by commenting on how insane everything going on around her is. Tony Leung is apparently a very big deal in Asian cinema, from what I've heard. Uh, like, he's revered as one of the greatest actors on the planet, so an MCU movie will never really give an actor that good enough of a chance to really show off, but he clearly is a great actor. And Michelle Yeoh, she's a stunningly beautiful ageless wonder. She must have made the same deal with the devil that Paul Rudd and Tom Selleck have made, because uh, she looks it's been you see her pop up every now and then, but she looks as good today as she did in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So I don't, I don't know what to say about Michelle Yell. She mostly has to dish out some exposition, but she makes it so much more easier to swallow than a lot of other actors would. And there is a lot of exposition throughout the movie. That's the nature of origin stories, of course, and superhero movies in general. So I was expecting it, and it was done well enough that I didn't find it boring. It also made a lot of sense, and they do a good job of making things clear and keeping things straight, which is so important to do when you're dealing with a brand new world and all new characters and rules and powers like we get here and like we will get in the upcoming Eternals movie. And it'll also be important to keep things clear and straight with some of the other MCU titles of more established characters like Spider-Man and Doctor Strange when we get into all the multiverse stuff. And, you know, speaking of the multiverse and, you know, bending time and stuff, the timeline I thought was interesting. It seems like it's set not too far at all after the events of uh, Avengers Endgame. I wasn't paying that close attention at the beginning, but uh, one of the end credit scenes gives a clue that Shang-Chi takes place you know, probably just within a couple months of Endgame. So even though that movie, that Avengers movie, is more than two years old at this point, we've really only moved the ball a couple of months into the future, which is good, of course, because as you remember, Endgame jumped forward to 2023. So now they're in the situation where real time has to catch up to the MCU timeline. I, I, I like that. I really like the MCU of it all. The world building continues to be great in this cinematic universe. Can't wait to see what comes out next. Three and a half cushions out of five for me for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And of course, there are scenes mid-credits and after the credits, and both of them are important. Up next, we're switching from Marvel to DC to talk Justice League. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and one of the biggest movie events of the year comes home this week. Well, it's already available at home, but it's coming home in a new format. Zack Snyder's Justice League will soon be available on Blu-ray. The great darkness begins. I will bathe 
Blu-ray DVD sales obviously aren't as big a deal as they used to be, but some titles still really draw interest, and I have to believe the Snyder Cut of Justice League will be one of them. Since March, it's been available to stream on Crave in Canada, and this Tuesday, you can get your hard copy if you want one, 4K, Blu-ray, DVD, all the usual formats. I got an advanced copy of the Blu-ray, rewatched it this past weekend, and I rewatched the 2017 theatrical version, and wow, what a difference. I mean, when we watched the Snyder Cut back in March, I did not rewatch the 2017 version and indeed had not seen it since it came out in theaters in 2017 and frankly had forgotten most of it. I did remember Bruce Wayne going to Iceland to find Aquaman and I remember that the final battle took place in an abandoned town in Russia and that was about it. So my first viewing of the Snyder Cut was very much like watching a new movie because I couldn't remember the old one and now on rewatch I think I like the Snyder Cut even more and then after rewatching the 2017 movie the Snyder Cut looks even better though there is a weird irony here if the studio had never interfered and brought in Joss Whedon to rewrite and reshoot back in 2017 and just left Snyder to his own devices. The 2017 movie almost certainly still wouldn't be as good as this new Snyder cut because even without the meddling, there would never they would just not put out a four-hour movie, which this Snyder cut is. He would have had to chop out at least 90 minutes of it, I would think, and who knows what the final product there would have been. So as far as a finished film is concerned, the meddling that ruined the movie in 2017 actually helped in the end for the 2021 Snyder Cut. It took some time, but we as the audience are better off in the end. The whole saga of the Snyder Cut, I think, is one of the most interesting stories really in the history of movies. I mean, th there's been movies before where, you know, stuff gets rewritten and reshot and redone and different cuts and stuff, but we're talking about a mega blockbuster here, and it's just really never really been anything like this before. As much as I'm thrilled to have Zack Snyder's Justice League on my Blu-ray shelf, I find it very strange that there's no real special features included on the disc. There is a 24-minute featurette that I assumed would be about how this the special Snyder cut came to be, but no, it's just a regular run-of-the-mill featurette about the Justice League, but it is new because in the last two minutes he does refer to some of the brief new footage that was shot last year. Very strange there, but if you want something cool for uh, a hard copy Blu-ray, Brett, you got to get the Zack Snyder's Justice League and get the 27 Justice League and then have a compare and contrast uh, night like I did. Just nerd out on it. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Couch Potatoes podcast bonus. Forgot to mention during my review of Shang-Chi that it was the first movie I have seen on a big screen since reopening. I don't know why I've waited over a month. I guess I've just been enjoying my time outdoors, but I had to, had to, had to see this one on a big screen. Now, whereas Jeff said his theater was full at 10 a.m. on Labor Day, I went Wednesday at 1 p.m., and mine was decidedly not full. I think there were maybe 10 people in this theater, which was kind of weird. And sort of, I was hoping for more people, but I also knew that on a Wednesday afternoon, there aren't going to be a lot of people there. But I forgot how much I enjoyed movie popcorn, and I forgot how messy it can be, considering how bad it is after I add all of the extra stuff. So I get the popcorn with the butter, they forgot to layer it. Or I guess I have to request it. Some places just do it automatically. Like, do you want it layered? Yes, of course I want it layered. No, please just put all of the butter on the top. No, layer it. So what I usually do is I'll eat the top layer of the popcorn, and then I'll go back out, and then I'll put in the buttery-flavored topping. And I'll put in, like, I'll hold it for, like, five seconds, and then I'll shake the bag 
bounce it up and down, shake it on the table, and then I'll put in another five seconds, five seconds shot, and then I'll shake that up, and then another shot, and then I'll shake that up. And sometimes I even go in for a fourth shot because I'm disgusting, because I don't know what that stuff is made of. I think it's just recycled motor oil. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, it's delicious. So then I end up adding, uh, once I get through half the bag, then I add a white cheddar shaker. But either I got a faulty popcorn bag or I just put on too much of this stuff because it started leaking through right away. Like I had a napkin under it and I, it, my hand felt a little wet. So I looked at the napkin and it had gone like almost clean through the napkin. It was like the Dr. Nick Riviera paper test from the Simpsons. If the paper is clear, it's your window to success. So I ended up putting up a second napkin down. And then a third one and a fourth one. I got up to seven or eight napkins holding this bag of popcorn, just trying desperately to keep that stuff off of my clothes because it is almost impossible to get out. I have ruined some clothes by getting that crap on me. So anyway, while I was enjoying Shang-Chi and enjoying delicious movie popcorn again for the first time in over a year, I was also <laughs> dealing with the adventure of trying not to ruin my clothes because I'm a disgusting slob. So I just wanted to share that story. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you're not sure about something, rub it against a piece of paper. If the paper turns clear, it's your window to weight gain. Bye-bye, everybody!